I am going to share with you, I'm going to veer off of uh, the Gospel of Luke for the moment. Um, I want to share with you something that God has over the past months been laying on my heart that I want to bring to you. Um, it's a difficult, I, honestly, I, I find it very difficult message to bring, to share with you, because I, I know that there are many of you that aren't going to like it. And, and again, I, I mean, we have to decide. Am I here because I need to hear something I like, or am I here because I don't want to hear truth? Amen. And, and oftentimes, what truth does is truth confronts a lie. And when we've believed a lie, we don't want to have to confront truth because it means I have to change the way I think. That means I'm wrong. Yeah, help us, Lord. And I don't want to be wrong. Yeah. So I, let me just also say that the reason that I'm sharing this message with you today is not because I want to make you mad. It's not because I want to be provoking. It's because I love you. And I think that, you, that we absolutely have to hear what I'm going to share with you today. So let me start. There's just, let me give you some words and you'll see why I'm maybe saying what I'm saying. And let me also say, I hope that this is not as, as offensive in people's minds as what I think it might be. Okay, I, I believe we've got a church that absolutely loves the Lord and loves the word and, um, and that you'll find this to be an encouragement. Amen. 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 Abortion. Pornography. Same-sex marriage. Transgenderism. Euthanasia. Embryonic research. Genetic enhancement. COVID, mandated experimental vaccines, out of control government spending, deep, deep divides. These are symptoms of things that are happening in our culture, things that are going on around us. And as Christians, Listen, we can look at the cultural landscape and it doesn't take a lot for us as Christians to be able to look at the cultural landscape and to say, you know what? There are some really deep issues that are happening around us and we as a culture, we as a church are headed in a destructive direction. Yep, we, are. Yes. Help us, Lord. we are not in a progressive place. We are in a digressive place. And it doesn't take much to look around. And while I mention all of these things, and I know that it provokes a different thought in so many different lives, and what direction is he going to go, and is he going to agree with me or not agree with me? Is he going to say what I like or what I want to hear, or is he going to say what I don't like and what I don't want to hear? I, I, I want to come to this place, because listen, I do believe this. All of these things are symptoms of something that's going on. You and I, when we have symptoms in our lives, the symptoms cause us to go to the doctor. And what does the doctor do? The doctor, if he's a good doctor, he wants to get to the root of what's causing the symptoms. Because we want to fix the root of that. Because if we fix the root of that, the symptoms will stop. If all we do is just medicate the symptoms, we are eventually going to see those symptoms continue to come back because we never took care of the root problem. And so we can look at the symptoms of what's going on in our country and what's going on in our nation, and we can look at all of these symptoms and realize those symptoms, but very seldom do we stop and really take the time to look at and recognize, to point out what is the root cause. Where is all this coming from? And few people feel equipped to be able to decide that or to look at that. And, and so we have to look into what is the truth. And there's complex factors into what we're talking about here. There's more, you know, I mean, complex factors behind the things that are going on in our world. We live in a, a, a topsy-turvy, up-and-down world today that's really difficult to make sense of. And, and so one of the things that we can do is we can better understand what's going on in the world around us today by understanding the concept of worldview. What is your worldview? What is it? 
You know, the fact is this. Every single one of us in here, it doesn't matter from the front to the back, doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter. Every single one of us have a worldview. Every one of us do. So the fact is, you have a worldview. The worldview is how you see the world around us and how we interpret and how we react to the events that happen. It's honestly, your worldview is the core of what you truly believe. Not just what you give lip service to or not just what you, we might say when we're in a crowd that's looking for a certain response from us, but what is it in our hearts that we truly believe? In church, that's your worldview. And your worldview will cause you to answer some questions that are very, very important. Maybe you don't know today, what is my worldview? I'm gonna lay some questions out for you that will, your answers will help you to define what your worldview is. Questions like this. How did we get here? How did, how did we get here? Did we come through creation or evolution? And, and what's the whole story behind the universe? How did we get here and where are we going? What is the meaning of history? What does it all say? What does it all mean? What's it there for? What is the nature of reality? Is reality physical or is the reality spiritual? Or is it a combination of both? What is the nature of God? What, what is the supernatural reality? Is there a supernatural power? Is there a greater, higher power? Is there a God? Is there not a God? What is the nature of Truth. Is truth objective or subjective? What is the nature of the human being? Why are we here? And, and, and how did we get here? Church, what happens to human beings when they die? Is there eternal life? Is there heaven? Is there hell? Is there life after death? And, and in this world, what, what guidelines determine human behavior? Ethics and morals and who decides? Where did they come from? What is right and what is wrong? And who decides that? Where did we, as human beings, where did we go wrong? Or did we go wrong? And if we did, how do we fix that? What do we do? These are just a few questions that, honestly, your answers to those questions will define your worldview. And the questions that need to be looked into, the answers need to be looked at because it determines the whole outlook that we have towards the world, which in other words is a world view. And let me also say that, that this is why we as Christian parents, as Christians in the church, this is why it's vitally important that you teach your children the catechisms. The catechisms are the very, honestly, a catechism, and it sounds so liturgical, Catechisms are nothing more than you teaching your kid what, kids what the Bible says about these questions I just asked you. And are we teaching our kids the, the answers to these things biblically or are we teaching them through the culture in which our kids are being inundated, which we're being inundated? And it's important because church, if we have a naturalistic or if we have a humanistic worldview and we are nothing more than a big bang, we're nothing more than this big cosmic accident that happened when some planets collided and all of a sudden life just came and that's the explanation of where we're from and human beings, all we are is just really, we're just highly developed animals. If, if that's true, then what's the problem and why is there such an issue than the case and big deal about homosexuality or abortion or, or euthanasia? Joni just took our dog to the vet and there was a number of people there euthanizing their dogs. 
What's the big deal if we're nothing more than tadpoles that evolved into higher creatures? If we're all here by accident, then look at who's to tell me what my morals should be? And who am I to stand up here and tell you what your morals should be? If we're just nothing more than highly evolved animals, then who has the right to tell us what's right and what's wrong? So, church, the fact is, our worldview matters. It has an impact. It has importance to us. It matters in, it, honestly, it matters in this. It matters in whether we react in a God-honoring way or we react in a God-dishonoring way to the events and circumstances that happen in life around us. How we view, how we respond, and how we go through that. And, and let me just say, again, I, I know that we talked about the symptoms, and, and oftentimes we don't look into what the root cause is. And I, and I want to just be bold enough today to say to you, the worldview of the people that live in the culture, the people that live in our church, the people that attend, the people that come, the people that are a part, the worldview of, of the culture and the church is the root cause of why we as a people, why we as a, the church, the nation, the culture, why we are headed in a destructive direction. This worldview that we have is that important, and we need to understand what our worldview is. You need to understand what your worldview is. And does it line up with the Bible, or does it line up with another worldview that's out there that won't lead you to the Scripture? A humanistic kind of worldview. Church, we need to critically take a look and examine what our worldview is. Have you ever stopped to think about it? I would dare to bet that very few have. And, and, and why is it that so few have taken a critical look at a worldview that's so vitally important to each and every one of us? You need to know. Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. He says, test yourself. How many of us voluntarily want to take a test? I don't want to do that. But he says, test yourself. Why? To see if you're in the faith. Why did Paul say that? Because there's a lot of people who think they're in the faith, but they're not in the faith. Yeah, that's true. So he says, test yourself. Then he, and he says, examine yourself. I don't want to do that. Church, the reason that we don't want to do that is because most of us are afraid that we're going to find that something that we're believing is wrong and leading us away from God, and I don't want to have to change the way I think and the way I feel about something, so I'm just not going to do it. That way, ignorance is bliss. Yep. Oh, true. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless indeed... You fail the test. Church, it means that some who take the test, some who examine themselves will find, you know what? I'm not in the faith. And we'll have to change. So, is our worldview a biblical worldview? Is your worldview a biblical worldview? Worldview, And again, you, you may be in a position right now where, I mean, again, if, if you're apart from Christ, you probably don't see the value in that. So, you know, again, I, that's why I ask, is it a biblical worldview? Some may say yes, some may say I don't know, some may say absolutely not. But you're here in church. And, and I want to talk about what, what is a, a biblical worldview view. Notice, and again, I did not say a Christian worldview. Okay, Christian worldview, that whole concept has been hijacked, and it's been infected by so many things that a Christian worldview is not the same as a biblical worldview. There are many, many, many in the church who, are, who would claim to have Christian worldview, but they honestly do not have a biblical worldview because this Christian worldview has been distorted and it's been taken over and it's been infected with all kinds of perverse theologies that have nothing to do with the scriptures. Used to be the same, but they've parted ways. And so today there is a big difference. So I am talking about a biblical worldview. 
In a biblical worldview, I mean, does your view of the world measure up to what the Word of God says? Does it measure up to the Bible? Are we looking at the world filtered through what the scriptures say? As Christians, are we looking at, what the, uh, at the world filtered through what the scriptures say? Or are we living our Christian life based on what somebody else has told us that we ought to be doing or not doing or believing or not believing because that's what they said a Christian's supposed to look like? Is that how we're living our life? By the word of God or somebody's concept of what a Christian should look like. So the message this morning, I want to surround, listen, you can, we'll find lots and lots of scriptures to talk about the invasion of false teachings into the church. And many of the different authors of the different scripture have warned us over and over again. I want to focus in on two scriptures that make the case for most all of the different authors and what they say about this whole idea of what's going on in this place of heresy, false doctrine, and unbiblical worldviews that creep into the church. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Come on, we're happy, right? Oh, come on, you're going to like it in the end. You're going to, I promise. Amen. Colossians 2.8, Paul says this. Don't let anyone, don't let anyone, what? Capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. Or one version calls them the elementary principles rather than from Christ. Don't let anyone capture you. Do you know why he says don't let anyone capture you with these thoughts and philosophies? Because the world is trying to capture you. There is somebody that's after the God in you that wants to take away what it is that you've received. He says don't let them capture you because they're after you. They're after your thoughts. They're after your mind. Who? These philosophies high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. And then Paul also tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 in verses 20 and 21, he says, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Here's another verb, a, a, a difficult, he says, guard it. Why does he tell you to guard something? Because somebody's trying to steal it from you. Somebody's trying to take from you what has been given to you. And he's telling us to be alert and to stand guard. Be on guard, Timothy. Guard what God has entrusted to you. And then he says this. How do we guard that? Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. So here's the problem. And this started, I was reading through some different articles and I was reading a survey that was done in 2021 by George Barna, a survey of the church. And this is what he came up with in this survey. 80% of born-again Christians claim to have a biblical worldview. 80% of Christians claim to have a biblical worldview. What does the other 20% believe? Eighty percent claim to have a biblical worldview, but only nineteen percent. After further questioning, only nineteen percent actually have one. One out of five. Seventy-four percent of conservatives claim to have a biblical worldview, but only sixteen percent actually have one. Forty-four percent of millennials. I, I mean, I, when I was reading this, I thought, "Oh my goodness, are millennials really twenty-five to forty now?" What happened? Man. Millennials have kids that are like adults now. I don't even know what they're called. 44% of millennials ages 25 to 40 claim a biblical worldview, but only 4% have one. 
And look, church, the statistics for the mainstream church, for Protestant churches, for evangelical churches, the numbers aren't any better. He came up with these statistics that said 69% of adults who attend a mainline Protestant church, so, so a Presbyterian or Lutheran or Methodist or you know, one of these kinds of churches, these mainstream churches, 69% they claim they have a biblical worldview, but only 8% actually has one. 81% who attend an evangelical church, so a non-denominational church such as this, um, or a Baptist church, but 81% claim they have a biblical worldview, but only 21% actually has one. So if those statistics bear true in our congregation, that means that one out of five of us have a biblical worldview. One out of five. No wonder the church is in trouble. No, no wonder the, the attack is so powerful and so strong. It's because those who claim to be born-again believers, and again, the claim to be a born-again believer does not guarantee the fact that somebody's a born-again believer. The Bible says you'll know me by my fruit. So please understand that. But the, of the, of the so-called the born-again believers, many, many, many obviously do not have any idea what they really believe. And, and then, or they're in the place where they have no idea that their Christian beliefs have been corrupted by the ways of the world. And that corruption doesn't happen by accident. It's been absolutely done on purpose. And, and Paul tells us that it comes because we've been so exposed to the philosophies of this world. The philosophies of the world, we're inundated with this every single day. Day by day by day, we are inundated with this. It is everywhere we go in the culture in which we live. We are surrounded with it. This, this, this place of, of the philosophies of the world are being poured into our home, into our living rooms through your TV set. They're being poured into your bedrooms. They're being poured into your children's bedrooms. They're being poured in through the internet. They're being poured in through the biased TV news and biased news. Please, we are being inundated with these things. We are being inundated with the philosophies of this world by YouTube. Church, YouTube, man, you know what? It started off to be one of the greatest things that we could have. Now today, it is a dangerous place for you to scroll and stroll. The internet is being poured into our lives. Not even coming up with all the other social media platforms and the destructive place in which it's bringing this nation, the effects that it's having on the world in which we live. You know what? In all of these things that I just mentioned, very, 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 very little is ever mentioned about the Judeo-Christian principles upon which we formed this nation in which we've lived for hundreds of years. It's not even being presented in these areas. And we have seen, because of that, we have seen a marked decline in morality. And since World War II, it's taken a sharp nosedive. We've gone the way of Europe. And, and Europe is becoming increasingly more and more and more godless. Yeah. And because of that, the perversion and the perverse ways in which people are living and the attitudes in which they have and the things they entertain as entertainment has become more and more perverse to the point where, again, in, in Europe, many of the what used to be absolutely amazing cathedrals and places where there was real spiritual emphasis are nothing more than a museum now. And, and, and church, we're not far behind. And I don't need to tell you how ungodly our government has become. Our government has become more and more and more tolerant of anything that's anti-Christ. And less and less and less tolerant of anything that's Christian. And, and we see it. It's everywhere. And church, our Christian biblical foundations have come under attack. And the biblical foundations upon which you know, the scriptures call us to and our nation was built on are systematically being destroyed on purpose. 
King David, he asked this question in Psalm 11. He said, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, Paul realized that the foundations that he had shared with the church were coming under attack. And Paul, he saw that these professing Christians were being infected by false teachings, being infected by things that that were causing them to stray from their faith. And Paul saw this and he watched this. And at the end of his letter to Timothy, he tells us about this great danger to what he calls, and what we call today, intellectualism. Intellectualism that leads oftentimes to rationalism, to modernism, to liberalism. Every other ism. But those isms, the intent of all of those isms is to cause us to water down the word of God and to neglect the truth that we would begin to see Christ watered down. We hear it all the time. Well, he was a good man. No, listen, if he was just a good man, he was a liar. Because he said he's God. And I believe him. But church, the worldview of of this modern culture in which we live today has invaded the church. It's invaded many of us. We we live in a a postmodern culture that in itself truth has been lost. And truth is now relative. Truth is relative to what you want to think or what you want to believe. Truth is no longer something that's black and white. What's true for you might be true for you, but it's not true for me. And what's true for me doesn't mean it's true for you. I mean, some of you are, are, are even now thinking about the things that I'm saying and say, well, that might be your truth. That's not mine. Look, I'm not trying to give you my truth. I'm trying to give you the truth. Because church, listen... We've just, we've come out of living in a world where we can have differing opinions because we no longer live in that world. No longer can we have differing opinions and be okay with each other. We, we have to, and again, it, we can't even disagree on some of these things. We have to fully embrace them. We can't disagree on the current world view. We have to fully embrace what is now the current world view. Things that are considered politically correct, you have to embrace that. The things in our lives that become cultural norms, we can't disagree. You have to embrace that. And if you don't embrace that today, then you are called, labeled bigoted. You're labeled racist. You are hateful. You are divisive, intolerant. Every other negative adjective that there can be out there. And that's what they call you. And we live, in a, we live in a woke culture today, church, a cancel culture that wants to cancel you, that wants to cancel what you believe in, that wants to cancel the word of God, that wants to cancel that. And what it's done is it's attacked truth. You can't, today, listen, I, I, I don't know why, this is crazy. I feel nervous saying this. Today, you can't even call a boy a boy. I can't even call a girl a girl. Well, listen, church, there's only two sexes. There's boys and girls. Pick one. You are one. God made you. We live in a world today where even the truth of mathematics has come under fire. It's not politically correct any longer, it's, and it's growing in this place, where it's not even right to say two plus two is four. I mean, the truth of mathematics, I was reading a, um, an article and, and a testimony of a young man where even the truth of mathematics has become subject, subjective, where whatever you want two plus two to equal is what it equals. The testimony was of a young man who had recently graduated from high school. And in his math class, his math teacher called him, labeled him as bigoted because he thought it was important to come up with the right answer. 
And the teacher said this, he said, as long as students work together in a group and achieve consensus, the teacher insisted that whatever outcome was acceptable. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you, please, everybody hear me. This is a fact. This is something we all have to understand, something that we all have to live with. It's something that you're not going to get away from. There is an absolute truth in our world, and you can know his name. The scripture says this. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. He doesn't say he knows the truth. He says, I am the truth. And then in John chapter 8, he says, and you will know what? The truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know Jesus, and that's his name, and Jesus and Jesus alone can set you free. He is the only way. But what the world calls truth and what the Bible calls truth are not the same anymore. They're two different things. And church, when the eyes of your understanding have been opened and you have received Jesus Christ and been born again, forgiven of your sins and filled with the Holy Spirit, you will see the world through new eyes. You will see them through Jesus' eyes. Jesus wants you to see the world different. Why? Because he saw the world different. We see this fallen world. Jesus said, I came into this world to save all. I came to save the world. And Jesus calls us to see things through his eyes. And when we become born again, when we receive Jesus Christ, we're going to see things differently. We're going to look through the lenses of God's word and we're going to be grounded in the word led by the holy spirit and we're going to see things differently you're going to see the world different from those that are around you and you're going to stand out you're going to be like shadrach meshach and abednego and when the rest of the world is bowing down you're going to stand out because you refuse to bow down the only way that you won't bow the only way that you won't stand out is if you bow down with the world but you're going to stand out. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, he says, the person without the spirit, the natural person, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. See, I know there are some of you that are probably going, you know what? All that stuff's just hope, you know, hey, that's just hocus pocus stuff. Those are fairy tales. There's people that won't receive that because they're, carnal in their nature, carnal in their mind. And again, I'm not, that's not a put down to anybody. That's just the truth. In our carnality, we won't receive those things that are spiritual because they're spiritual. And they can't be received by anything that isn't spiritual. So the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So church, the problem in the church is that we are, as we, are, we are absolutely surrounded by the world. Every time we get up, every time we go out, everywhere we, where we go, we are, we are constantly and always being bombarded by the philosophies of this world, philosophies that are going on around us. And, and those philosophies, they sound so good. They sound so, man, they sound so right to our flesh. But there's a battle going on inside of us. There's a battle where the spirit is battling the flesh. Which one are you feeding better? Because there are snake oil salesmen that are out there that want to sell you these philosophies of the world. And man, they make it sound so good. They can make it sound so biblical. And church, because we just tend to believe what we want to believe when we hear what we want to hear to promote the truth that we want to have, we find that because we're truly ignorant to the scriptures, we're just believing what people tell us about the scriptures, we tend to honestly accept human reasoning and human arguments about why the world is the way the world is. You can prove any truth 
that you want to believe by just searching YouTube. You can find anything you want. And, and if you search long enough to find somebody that will agree with the truth that you want, you will find somebody that is so eloquent in their speech and so able to twist scripture just enough to be able to get you to begin to say, yes, now that's the truth. Why? Because that's the truth I want to believe. And YouTube will help you. Right? It's your friend. Why do we have a friend that's so willing and so able and has purposed itself to lie to us? Amen, Pastor Mark. That was good. Look, this is all, none of this is new. This has been going on since the beginning of time. It has always happened. It will always go on. Look, it's happened from the very beginning. It's been going on since the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3, when the devil came to them and said, Hey, did, did God really say? Oh, come on. How many times have the philosophies of this world came to you and brought you to a place where it said, Did God really say? Did God really say that two men shouldn't get married? Did God really say that that's really a life in the womb? Did God really say that he knew you before you were really formed in your mother's womb and he knew the plans that he had for you? Did God really say you can do all things through Christ? Really? Did God really say that you can't eat of every tree in the garden? You know what happened in the garden? The devil came in, and the devil created doubt about what God said. And in that doubt, listen, because this happens to us, the devil wants to create doubt in what God had said. And in that doubt, what happened was in doubt, Adam and Eve, they made a moral decision to believe the father of lies. Yes, they did. Church, our, we fall into the same category. Did God really say... Satan raises doubt, and the father of lies is right there to accept you. In fact, since the beginning, this is what it says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 25. It says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served, listen, the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Most, as I said earlier, most of the letters that were authored through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by, by Paul and Peter and, and John and James, you know what? They spend, all of them, spend a great deal of time warning us, warning the church, giving us warnings about the heresies and the false teachers and the deceptions that want to come and try to sway people away, the heresies that creep into the fellowship and that come in. And, and God has called me as a shepherd. He's called me to be watchful for the those wolf-like attitudes that want to creep into the church. That's why I want to share this with you today. It's because I love you and I want to protect you and I want to see you walk in the fullness of God. Amen. We cannot worship the creature. We, we need to worship the creator. Yes, we and in these letters, they give us these warnings. And, and like this in, in Colossians 2.8, don't let anyone Anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense or empty deceit that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. One of the versions says the elementary principles rather than from Christ. So we are warned here that we are not to be taken captive. Don't let yourself be taken captive. How? By listening to philosophy and nonsense and empty, empty deceptions that go along with simply human thinking and human reasoning. 
That's what philosophy is. If you look at that word in the scriptures and you look at what the Greek word says, it means the love of wisdom or the love of human understanding. Now again, I'm not saying that we don't seek wisdom. The Bible very clearly in Proverbs tells us that we are supposed to seek wisdom. But church, seeking human wisdom and understanding that is apart from Jesus, that's apart from the truth, will lead you away from the truth and therefore it will lead you into sin. This is how the Bible talks about biblical wisdom. Colossians 2, 2 and 3 says that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all. Say all. All. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All wisdom and all knowledge is found in Christ. And when we realize that, when we start to really grab hold of the fact that all wisdom and all knowledge will be found, it resides in Christ, then he's the first place that we need to look, that all wisdom and knowledge needs to flow through him. Yes, it does. But the rest of the world, human wisdom is described in 2 Timothy 3.17, always learning and never able to arrive at, the, at a knowledge of the truth. Look, Seeking after human wisdom and saying that human reasoning, that, that all the questions of this world can be answered, is evil. Because it's a, at the core of that is human, it's a humanistic worldview. And the humanistic worldview is that human beings, that we are the end-all, be-all of everything intellectual. That we have answers to Everything. And so Paul warns us about that. He warns us about this human reasoning and philosophy because human reasoning is according to human tradition. It's according to man, according to the elemental spirits of this world and not according to Christ. Well, what are those elemental spirits? Elemental principles. There are many, a lot of different thoughts on all of that. A lot of different people believe a lot of different stuff. I read a ton about all of that. There are many who believe that when he talks about these elemental, elemental principles, he's talking about the natural principles of this world, or the principalities, fire, earth, wind, fire, rain, just, just the, the natural things. But there's a lot of different thoughts and a lot of different theologies that I, you know, beliefs in what that is. And, and church, these elemental principles, they're heresies. Uh, this, is the, this is what the definition that I kind of came up with. And are those things of this natural world that are explained away by natural events, eliminating any supernatural impartation. It's all just explained away in a natural way. And these are heresies that are demonically inspired. They're worldly spirits. And today, these elemental things, what are the elementary things of the world today? The elementary things of this world today are, are what we have in the very beginning is we have the Big Bang, this Big Bang theory. Elementary things consist of the fact that millions and billions of years ago, there was a random chance, a collision of things that happened, and out of that we have evolution, and it explains everything as to why we're here and what we're doing. It tells us that we crawled up out of a swamp as tadpoles. And this naturalistic human view, worldview, naturalistic human worldview has been taught as truth in our schools for a hundred years now. You grew up with it. Our, our schools are inundating our kids with this. No wonder, there are many of you even in this place today, there are many people in the world that call themselves Christians and many of our children today are being raised up in a place where, where honestly, we look at the scripture, we look at the Bible and, you know, I, I love the idea of Jesus and all that, but all the rest of those stories, they're just fairy tales. Look, they're not fairy tales. It's the word of God. And these things that we're being inundated with, none of it's from Christ. 
None of it's from him, who is more than just the author of life, he, he, author of truth. He is truth. He is the truth, church. It's not fairy tales. And Paul, he warns Timothy. He says, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Church, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid, listen, avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Listen, he's, why, do we, why do we not want to fight back? Because some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. Look, church, hold tight to what you've been given. Hold tight to what God has poured into you. Paul says, guard it, protect it. We guard it and we protect it because somebody wants to steal it from you. The world wants to take it from you. And so we hold it close. What? The scriptures. We hold the Bible, the very word of God and the life that was found through the grace of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. That he is the end all, be all of our life and only through him was I able to find salvation. Was I able to find finally in my life what is really true. Do we understand it all? No. Do, do we understand everything? No. But does our lack of understanding say that it's not truth then? Why is it though? Because in the, I mean, honestly, I, I think we've gotten to the point where we're so arrogant, especially when it comes to the church and comes to the word of God. We've become so arrogant that we think that if we can't understand it, that it must not be true. Isn't it amazing that we'll, we'll look into the scriptures and we'll go, well, I don't understand that, so it must not be true. Yet, we'll look at all these elementary principles, you know, earth, wind, fire, and, and we'll, we'll just, you know, I don't understand it all, but I just know it's true. I find it amazing. If anything, it should encourage us to study more, to dive deeper in. But he says this, he says, avoid godless, worldly, foolish discussions and the opposing arguments. What he calls us to, and this is a command. We are to avoid these things. So as I start to wrap this up here, let me just ask you this question. And some of you will agree with me, some of you will disagree. It's okay, I, I, can, I can live with you being wrong. Just kidding. <clears throat> no, I, I mean, I, 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 you have to come to what God speaks and says to you by the Holy Spirit's revelation. And I pray that the Holy Spirit's bringing revelation to you today. But does today's science, is today's science and the word of God in conflict? I know a lot of you don't want to yell out or answer because... I don't know. Are they, are they in conflict? And, and, and let, me, let me explain. Stay with me here. Today's current scientific thoughts, today's school teachings, today's school textbooks, they are absolutely, totally, and completely heavily politicized. They, they tell us what politics wants us to have and so the 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 way in which the world is is the world wants us to be completely inundated and to embrace a naturalistic worldview and honestly that's what happens so that means that yes science and the scriptures conflict with each other in today's world they conflict with each other i i mean I, again hear me out Science today, science, true science, those who are, are really honestly being honest about things, it's true science that's coming along and realizing they, that the more they know, the more they understand, the more they come to truth, they find that true science is revealing that the Bible is proving itself to be correct over and over and over and over again. True science is not disproving the word of God. It is proving the word of God. But now, listen, they are in conflict with each other today because science is so politicized. And, and so science, it, today, we're in a place today where science ignores their own science. COVID is proof of that. They told us at the beginning of COVID that all these things, oh, this is science. This is, we're following the science. 
And then it came out that they proved that none of that science that they were following is actually science, and it's not true. But the scientists over here said, no, 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 I know it says, but it's still science. Today, in, the, in this naturalistic worldview, we're, we're going to do whatever is politicized to the place where we believe what we want things and people to believe. And the biblical worldview is actively ignored in the world of science today. You can't help. Pick up a, a biology book or a science book in the very beginning. It'll tell you of how we evolved over millions and millions of years. There's no creator. There was this cosmic accident that happened. Well, where did the planets come from then? Where did the collision start? Again, I, I, I don't believe that, but these things that are being taught today, these things that we're being inundated with run contrary to the word of God. And church, the naturalistic and humanistic worldviews are being taught and proclaimed as truth in our public schools, our public universities. And very plainly, listen, very plainly, Paul is telling us that today's, the science that we see, the science that's being so politicized today, public education, it, oftentimes what it is is worldly, empty, deceitful talk that uses what is so-called knowledge to oppose the word of God. It's been proven through time that science has been wrong time after time after time after time after time. And the word of God has been proven to be true every time. Every time. Look, I made a conscientious choice a long time ago that my feelings and thoughts were wrong so often over time that I wasn't going to trust them. And I'm just going to believe what the Bible says. Yep, I blindly believe what the Bible tells me. And I believe that what God said happened, happened. And what went on, went on. And if I'm going to be wrong, I'm going to be wrong believing the Bible to be true. But I, I'm just going to stand and I'm just going to believe what the Bible says. And, and you know what? I'm just going to wait for science to prove it true. Look, church, Paul tells us that many Christians, many people in the church had fallen for this false knowledge, for this, these lies. And by doing so, he says, they have gone astray from the faith. And to me, as your pastor, that concerns me. That causes me to lose sleep. That makes me more nervous than bringing a message like this does. Church, what the Bible says is true, is true. Whether it's about history, science, whether it's about the person or the nature of God, the Bible is true. And when we make that decision, and we have a biblical worldview, where I, you know what, no, I just, everything I look at, I, I'm not, you know what, I'll tell you what, even in my biblical worldview, I don't like it all. I don't like being called names. I don't find that fun. I don't like when people are mad at me. I don't like conflict. I don't like arguing about stuff. It's like, you know what? Thank God he tells me, don't argue about it. But when we stand up with a biblical worldview, you will stand out from the rest of the world you will be completely different from the world that's around you. You will stand out like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where you're standing while everyone else is bowing. And you need to be ready for it. Because Paul also tells us that you will endure suffering. You need to be ready that when you stand up with a biblical worldview 
and you, you stand up with a different belief system than what the world is demanding that you have. You need to be ready that the world's going to label you and you're going to be called backwards and you're gonna be called a bigot and you're gonna be called a racist and you're gonna be called a homophobe and you're gonna be called intolerant and you're gonna be called every other kind of negative term that they can come up with to try to get, to try to make you be intimidated or to intimidate those who are listening to you. It'll happen. And I'm telling you today because I want you to be ready. Worship team, would you come on back up? Church, let me tell you another truth. Jesus is coming soon. And Jesus in this time is not coming back as a, a simple pauper that walked the earth in the human flesh so that he might relate to us and draw us to himself where he would save us from our darkness, where he would come and rescue us. And we're still in this dispensation of grace where God's hand is outstretched to every single one of you. And Jesus in the flesh is wanting to reach out to you and offer you salvation. He's saying, come unto me. I know you're weary. I know you're heavy laden. I know that you're in trouble. I know that you're in sin. I know that you're struggling. I know that you're hurting. I know that you're broken. I know. Come to me. I have the answers. I'm the truth to the circumstances of your life and I can save you. He came to do that and he's still extending his hand of grace to you today saying, come to me. Because church, when he comes again, he's not coming as a poor pauper. He's coming with the sky parted He's coming. He's not walking the earth. He's riding a horse. And he is coming in power. He's coming in authority. He is coming as the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And he is coming to separate the goats and the sheep, the wheat and the tare. He's coming for his church, the bride. And when he comes, that will be the moment. Church, we have to have made a decision. Will you receive Jesus? Because church, he's coming again. Oh, they didn't believe him. Throughout the Old Testament, that all pointed towards the coming of the Savior who would be born of a virgin. Born in Bethlehem. Come from Nazareth. Over and over, prophecy after prophecy. And they didn't believe he was coming. And church, he came just as he said he would. And church, he is coming again. Just as he said he would. And when he returns, will he find a church? Will he find a people group? Will he find you believing in him, trusting in him, looking at at all things through him, believing in him, obeying what he has called us to, reacting to the world as he has called us to react to the world based on truth, not on our feelings? Or church, will, will he find us standing up when everyone else is bowing down? Or will he find church that's bowed down with the rest of the world. Church, will he find us blending in or standing up? Will he find us doing his will or our will or the will of those around us? But Luke 18.8, this is a promise, church. However, when the Son of Man comes, and I believe it is, it is he is coming soon, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Look, in the end, this whole worldview thing, it's all about Jesus. The Word of God, the Bible, it all points to Jesus. It all reveals Jesus. It all tells us about Jesus. It's telling us the truth. Listen to what it says in John chapter 5, in verse 39 and 40, and then I will pray and close. You search the scriptures because you think, you think, in your human reasoning, you think, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. 
we, we search the scriptures so that we can try to figure out how I can be born again or how I can be saved. We try to do things in our natural way and so we form our natural viewpoints. We form our religions and we focus it all around how we think we can be saved through the word or how we can find salvation just in the word. And here he says, and it is they, talking about the scriptures, that bear witness about me. Church, they're all pointing to Jesus. It's all pointing to the truth. It's all pointing to the Savior. It's all pointing to the Lord. It's all pointing to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. <coughs> he says, yet all these scriptures, they point to me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. It's all about Jesus. And it's all about putting our trust in Jesus. Look, this morning, do you believe the testimony of the Word of God is greater than every other testimony that's out there? Do you believe this biblical worldview is more pertinent, more important, more, more truth than any other worldview that's out there? See, are we going to be found standing on the testimony of the Word, hearing what the testimony says, believing what the testimony of the Word says about God, about Jesus, about the truth? Or are we going to go along with the rest of the world? You, me, we have to decide. Will you bow your heads in prayer with me? Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that God, you would... Convict every heart, Lord, and every mind to bring us in line with your word. God, if, if anything's said that's not truly of you and is not truth, let it fall to the ground idle. Lord, convict my heart. But God, where truth has been declared, I pray for open hearts and open minds to receive you, to receive the truth as only you can bring the truth. God, I'm sorry where I've watered down your word where I've made it conform to my beliefs rather than me conforming to God what you say and for any that are apart from you today Jesus I pray that you would convict their hearts that you would give them a desire to reach out to you to receive the forgiveness of sin the grace and the grace alone that can bring salvation to a soul a heart that needs you today God, if there's any apart from you, if there's any that are struggling in their faith, God, I pray that you would impart your spirit to bring forth the gift of faith where today we could put our trust in you. Church, it's not about us saying a pat prayer. It's about you giving your heart to God. Just saying, here, Lord, I, I receive the gift of your heart and I give you mine. It's all messed up, God. The invitation to you today is to come to Jesus. That's what this is all about. It's all about you coming to Jesus. It's all about Him. And He wants our all. He wants your all. Meaning, He wants all of your brokenness. He wants all of the lack of understanding. He wants you to bring all of your hurts and all of our failures and all of our sins. All of our hearts. All of our minds. He wants you to bring all of those things because He died for all. And church... He does not want you to wait until you have it all figured out. He wants you to say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you, Lord. I trust you with this life, and I trust you with the life that's to come. Just tell him right now, if that's you, it's personal. Ask Him into your life. Tell Him, Lord, I, I'm, I'm a sinner and I've been trying to figure this thing out and I can't figure it out. I can't quit. I can't stop. I can't. Lord, I am. I have failed time after time. Today I give my life to You. If 
Come into this broken heart, Lord. You said it, I choose to believe it. And maybe somebody, maybe God's convicting some of you in the, the, the symptoms of the root cause that we've accepted as legitimate. But God's calling us to holiness. Give him those thoughts. He can deal with it. Give it all to him. the day in which you've given us. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Church, I love you. Again, I, I don't share this with you today because I want to provoke you. Or I, I share this with you because I love you and I care about you. You are the church. You are the born again. You are the redeemed. So as I tell you every week, church is not over church is about to begin so go be the church go be that redeemed go be the blood bought go be the people of god amen god bless you i love you church go in peace come on let's sing as we go